This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Open your Bibles, or I'll read it to you, either one. Um, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6. And then John 3.16, which all of you should know. Genesis 3 verse 6 says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eye and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I want to speak this morning on something I've titled, where you invest your love will capture your heart. Where you invest your love will capture your heart. So we... Genesis chapter 3, this is right at the beginning of everything. I mean, this is the first three pages of your Bible. There's like a whole expanse to go. This is the right at the beginning of things. And at the beginning of the story, things start to fall apart. Because man decides to take things into their own hands and do things the way that they want to do. And in this verse, what it's really talking to us about is it's talking to us about what happened in the split between God and man. So I refer to it as the fall of man, the fall of man. And when we look at this verse and we have a look at what happened, there are so many things that we can gain from it. And we begin to understand that it was in this time where God and man began to separate It was at this time where sin came into the earth and it has a presence in that space and it began to form a relationship with man and as a result of that relationship, man ended up separated from God. We get players that come into into place where we have God on one side and we understand the Trinity and what that's all about and we understand creation and all that happens in that space and on this side over here, we have the evil one who comes in And both of them represent different sides. We have man sitting in the middle who has access to both of those things, who has um, the opportunity to be able to spend time hearing both sides and making a decision about what he wants to do. There's so many things that we can learn from this, and there's so many theological beginnings that start in this place. But The thing about it is this, what I've begun to realize and what I saw in this is that we can get so wrapped up in the theological and we can get so caught up in the academic appraisal of everything that's going on here that we really lose the fundamental. And the fundamental was this. This was the time when man broke God's heart. Everything else that happened is an academic exercise. It's important, it's significant, it has its place. But if you lose the gist that it was at this moment when man broke God's heart, the rest of the story doesn't really make much significance, doesn't have much significance. Because then I start to look at the word of God through academic eyeballs. I start to have a look at it from a theological point of view. And I'm trying to take different principles and ideas and apply them to my life. And really what God is saying is everything at its foundation has to do with the love story. The story between me and you. 
who I am and how I'm looking to be a part of your life, how I'm looking for you to be a part of who I am, how I'm looking for the two of us to form something unique and something that exists between you and I. Don't look at other Christians and what's happening in their life. It's irrelevant to your walk with God. God loves you for who you are. He's interested in what you're all about. And you're going to meet him in places that is different to everybody else. And you're going to walk your own journey with him. And you're going to have your own encounters with him. And you're going to have your own spaces where you learn and you grow in who he is. And that's a space between you and him. Don't look at what's happening to everybody else because it's immaterial to you. She was unfaithful. He was unfaithful. They lived in a space where the God of creation said, let's make man in our image. You know what he was all about? Let's make somebody that we can create, somebody that has the ability to think and to feel, somebody that has the ability to be able to be motivated, to make choices, to decide what they want to do. I want somebody, there's no point having love if I have nothing that I can express my love to. So I create a being that is love responsive. And in that space, he introduces us to relationship with him. Our ability to relate to God and who he is. He built us with the capacity and the ability to be able to meet with him and so that he can take of who he is and reveal himself to us. And as we grasp that and grab a hold of that, as we allow that to give definition to our imagination and what we're all about, we begin to see the things of God in the context of our world. And as I grab hold of those things and I allow those things to come into my being and I allow those things to give definition to who I am, the two are becoming one. The whole intention behind God and what he was trying to do is to sit and say, you and I are going to weave an exclusive tapestry together. You and I. Tapestry is woven together by individual little parts that are so unique and uh, that are so tightly woven that you can't distinguish one from the other because the two shall become one. That was God's intention. God's intention was that we will be so close and so intimate that you will be able to take the things of me, all that I'm about. You will be able to understand. You will be able to know. You will be able to embrace. You will be able to make that the fundamental part of who you life. It'll affect your understanding. It'll affect your perception. It'll affect your walk in life. It'll give definition to who you are. The two shall become one. But because he loved us, he entrusted us with something that made us exclusive. And he gave you choice. And he gave you choice because the thing about it is, he's looking for a being that is love responsive. Something that says, God, I see and appreciate who you are. I value what you've done for me enough to sit and say, I'm going to give back to you. And so we live in a reciprocal relationship. That was God's goal. That was God's objective. That's what he was working on doing. So what's interesting about reading this verse is we begin to recognize the fact that in this very moment, this was the place where Eve and Adam were unfaithful 
to the relationship in God. And from this point on, Genesis 3, or the end of Revelation, is the story of how God is working towards restoring relationship with us. The story from Genesis 3 onwards is all about how he's working to once again have relationship with who we are. Everything's initiated on his part. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. What he's saying is, you may have betrayed me. You may have been unfaithful. The thing is that in that space and what happened to you is, I will never give up on you. I will never leave you. I will always be there for you. And no matter what I have to do, I will do everything, including sending my son to die for you so that that door and that avenue is open. So the opportunity for us to once again have relationship, to move to a place where you allow me to flood your life and experience everything that I have for you is available and accessible to you. Even when you were at a place where you didn't even know about me and if you did, you didn't care. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It was not important to him the fact that you had walked away from the relationship. That is not what the drive was. The fact that you were unfaithful is not what motivated his behavior. The fact that you rejected him is not what it was all about. He said, because I love you. Because I love you, I will do everything to open the door to move back into relationship with you. And so what's interesting now is we find ourselves in an interesting place because really life is about the battle for your love. It's really about the age-old question of who will capture your heart. The enemy or God? It's challenging because we're the ones who go through life. And when you go through life every day, you're involved in all kinds of stuff. And when you're involved in stuff, and when you're involved in pressure, and when you're involved in situations that are challenging, and when you're involved in so much stuff that it makes you frenetic and you're running around in 50 places at once, when you're involved in trying to juggle kids and take care of home and take care of work and take care of everything else, things get busy, things get really hot. Sometimes things get... It, it's frenetic. It's all the stuff that's happening in life. And the thing about it is when I'm engaged in life and I'm living life, I don't always have a look and I don't always appreciate and I don't even recognize the fact that there is a master plan at play. And the master plan is this. In every decision you make, where are you investing your love? We so flippant with things because I'm just living life and that got me upset so I can behave any way I like. And I just think I'm going to go and do this because that's what I feel like doing and that's what I think I should be doing. And there's a random choice and all of a sudden I've got to make a decision in that moment and I quickly go with how I feel about things. But I don't recognize the fact that every one of those choices is either playing into one side or the other. There is a master plan at play. And unless we recognize the master plan, we don't get to participate in it. 
What I mean by that is you'll be actively involved in it, but you don't recognize the fact that you have the ability to have influence in that space. Everything in life is a battle for your love. Satan on one side and God on the other. And every choice that you have to make in that moment is where are you going to place your love? Where are you going to place your love? We think that we can have a look at things and randomly just go through life and we don't understand why things don't always work out the way that we want them to. It's because we've taken our love and we've invested it in stuff that's not of him. And he's like, you're living in a place where you're not being faithful to me. You're looking for my blessing. You're looking for my provision. You're looking for my love. You're looking for fulfillment. You're looking for healing. You're looking for life of the kingdom. But you're living in an unfaithful way. It's not because it's not available. It's accessible. I died for you. I died to give it all to you. I want you to have it. I want you to experience it. Because everything that I am is available to you. But I can't make your choices for you. What are you choosing? Where you invest your love. You open the door to being your heart being captured. So we go down these alleyways. My encouragement to you is recognize this. As you live life, there is a master plan. And no decision is insignificant. No decision is insignificant. In every one of those decisions, you're going to have fruit to choose from. In every one of those fruit, you, in every one of those choices, you're going to have a word from God. What are you going to choose? You're going to take the word or you're going to take the fruit? The thing about the fruit is, the fruit is so tempting. Nobody openly sits and says, I want to grab a hold of something that's evil. Satan's way too clever for that. They call him the deceiver for a reason. Listen to me. Listen carefully, because here's the insight. If you get this, it'll change your life. He's never going to come as himself. He's going to come as you. He doesn't walk into your life and sit and say, here I am, Forkfoot. Let me tell you what to do. He will do what he did to Eve. And what he said to her was this. You can be like God. You don't need God in your life. You don't need God to image for you what is truth and what is life. I'll give you the opportunity. You can do it for yourself. And she looked at that and she said, it's not about Satan against God. It's about me against God. I looked at it and I saw that the fruit was good. It was pleasing to the eye and was desirable for food. What is he doing? He took deception and he wrapped it in the context of self and said, you can do these things. You can be God. You can define your life. You can define your identity. You can define your choices. You can define the way that you want to go forward. You can do all of these things. You don't need God. But it was a deception. Because you see, Behind the fruit that looked so good was the flesh that tasted delicious. Mm -hmm. 
but at the core was something called a seed. You see, when she ate the apple, it looked really good, it tasted really good, but she conceived something which was not of God. All of a sudden, something happened and her eyes were opened. It wasn't a case that they had a look and they said, oh, we're naked. They recognized the fact that they were different to God. It's a metaphor. Suddenly, they had spent all of their existence in relationship with God, allowing him, who he was, his love, to give definition to them. And they lived in that space. And they, as they celebrated and valued and as they worshipped him and got to see who he was, all of the time, what was blazing over the imagination of their heart was all of who God is. And it was an invitation for me to step into that, for me to encounter all that he's called me to be. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. Everything that he made available was in that space. And they lived in that place. And what they were doing was they were seeding their life with God. But something happened in that moment. The seed came in. And suddenly there was something that took root and gained life on the inside of me. And the very nature of it was not where I've been. It was outside of that. And I recognized it inside of myself because I began to feel certain things. And I began to experience certain things. And my understanding was affected. And my perception was affected. All of my views were influenced as a result of the choice I made. And I moved to a place of being aware of the fact that something had gained access to my heart. And it was not for my first love. Choices. Choices. Where are they going to go with this? I've said before you, life and death, blessings and cursing, choose life. Let me give you my paraphrased version of what that is. I offer myself to you. Choose me. Every time you make a decision, he's right there. I'm here. I'm life. I'm abundance. I'm provision. I'm goodness. I'm gentleness. I'm care. I'm everything you need me to be. Choose me. Choose me. Our choices are so important. Sometimes we struggle with things. Because we want to blame God because things don't work out the way that we imagined. Choices. Go back to choices. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's always there. He's always looking to get into that space. And he will always make himself available. But you have to choose. I've set before you options. Because love can never command it. Love is waiting for the free will to sit and say, I choose you. I choose you. And sometimes in choosing you, it doesn't look like it's the best option. And sometimes in choosing you, it doesn't always feel like the best option. 
But it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it feels like. What matters is it comes from him because everything that is good and perfect comes from him. And if you allow that into your life, I can promise you it'll move you into a dimension of experience with God that'll open up doors of opportunity and get you established in who he is. And that is so much better than stealing, killing, and destroying. So we start to look at this. And the thing about it is, I don't know if you were like this, but Terms like love and heart. It's like it's hard to try and grab a hold of those things. You know what I mean? It's like, well, I love God. Okay, well, that's true. You may love God. And I'm not, I'm not questioning that in the least. But the thing about it is, it, it, there has to be something where I can quantify or put some kind of substance to this thing called love. What does it mean to give my love away? We all say, oh, give my love away. What does it mean? Because if I don't know what love means, if I can't quantify it, if I don't have some kind of a definition as to what it's all about, how do I know if I've given it away or not? I don't know. And if I don't know what it is, how do I know that I won't be deceived out of giving it away? And so I think it becomes quite important for us to begin to explore some of these things. Heart, what is heart all about? Can you give access to my heart? Well, he's got my heart, I'm born again. But is there more to the equation? Maybe there's more complexity to it than just a simple, easy, well, you know, he's got my heart. So we start to look at these different things because it becomes important for us to recognize the fact that he's after our love. And he's after our heart. So when we start to talk about love, it's interesting because love is very much a, the foundation of the word belief. Belief. If you have a look at the word belief in the original Greek, it's the word pisteo. And the word pisteo in the original Greek is one's commitment to faithfulness. One's commitment to faithfulness. Continually being faithful to a covenantal relationship vow. That's what belief is. What it's saying is this. Okay, hold on. Let me just go on from that. If we start having a look at the etymology, so we've got the Greek on one side, so we understand what it is. One's commitment to a, I've got both of them confused. <laughs> one's commitment to faithfulness. Greek is one's commitment to faithfulness. But if you have a look at the etymology of belief, it's made up of two key components. It's be, which comes from the word being. It talks about a state of existence, a state of existence. And leaf comes from the word libo, which means love. So basically what it means is, when you put the words together, is a state of being defined by love. Wow. A state of existence called love. That's what belief is. All things are possible to him who believes. What is he saying? All things are possible if you love me. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, 
that whosoever falls in love with him shall never perish but have eternal life. He's looking for your love. When he says he's looking for your love, what he's saying is, I'm looking for an expression of it. It's all well to get emotional into stuff and airy-fairy and I love God and glory be and hallelujah and shamatata. What did you do with your decision? What did you do with your decision? That's where the rubber meets the road. Because talk is, this is for all the people who are on the beach today. Talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. And it's easy to sit in church and shamatata and praise the Lord and hallelujah and you my this, that and the next thing. What did you do with the decision? He who believes in me, who falls in love with me, I will meet you. I've said before you life and death, blessings and cursing. What are you going to fall in love with? Here I am. I'm offering you myself. I'm offering you everything. What do you want to choose? Where do you want to put your love? Make a choice. Belief is all about love. What you believe in is where you've just invested your love. Eve's sitting there. She has everything that God has provided for her. And the temptation comes. And it was good. And it was pleasing. And it was desirable. And she made a choice. I'm going to put my belief in the fruit. She fell in love with the fruit. Belief at its essence is about trust. That's what it is. That's how you express it. Where is your trust invested? Where is your love invested? You want to know where, it is, where your love is? Have a look at what you're trusting. She trusted in that space the fruit more than God's word. What do you trust? In all the decisions you have to make, we think, I'm talking, I think, <laughs> I think I'm so smart. And I think I can come up with the ideas. And I think I know what it should be. And I think I know what the solution is. And I think, think, think. The problem with it is most of what I'm thinking comes from my flesh. Wow. How I feel and what I think will work for me. and what I've, It's all my flesh coming into that place. And what it's doing is it's getting the, fle- the fruit and it's just making it nice. And re- You know when you walk into the grocery store, they make the fruit look really big and they shine it. And you look at it, it's like, I, I just have to buy that. It's delicious. It's got no flavor, but it's irrelevant. It just looks really good. It's a lie on a, on a plate. But that's what happens. Your flesh presents stuff to you. And the more that you begin to look at it, the more that you allow those ideas into your imagination, what ends up happening is I put myself on the potter's wheel. We spoke last week about the fact that your imagination in the original Greek, what the translation of it is, is the potter with the clay. That's what the imagination is. The imagination is to take the clay and use image to inform the clay, to give form to it so that when it comes off the wheel, it looks different than when it went on. What you spend your life imagining 
You've just put yourself on the potter's wheel. And what you're saying is, I want to spend my time looking at that. Are you looking at the fruit or are you looking at the word? Because what you're looking at, you're going to become like. God's given you that. And the whole point of it was this. Guard your heart. What he's saying in guard your heart is be aware of the fact that I've given you the the ability and I've built you with the opportunity to become what you image. You were built in his image. You were created to be able to take image and see image and allow image to influence you so that your form changed and you became something else. But that wasn't a place that was left exclusively for faithful relationship with him. We're dangerous as people. Dangerous to ourselves. Because what you let into that space, you give access to define you. Guard it. Word of God says, guard it. Why? Because if you let it in, it will have influence in who you are. And you will not get off the potter's wheel the same way you got on. He's looking for us to be faithful to him. So think about this now. So we're sitting in a place where we have access to relationship with God. And you have access to your flesh. Most of the times, Satan is going to work with you and he's going to come in through your flesh. So anytime your flesh is screaming, put the brakes on. And sit and say, hold on a second, what's going on here? Why is it reading me the riot act? Nugget of truth. God's never going to work through your flesh. If you listen to your flesh, I promise you, you're not listening to God. God doesn't work that way. God says, I deal with you spirit to spirit. Spirit to spirit. So it's a wonderful thing to know because every time my emotions are heightened, every time I'm in a place where the things that I want to do on the inside of me, recognize the fact that when it's coming from your flesh, it's not God. It's polishing the fruit. It's making it look good. Check it out. You want to taste it? Is it desirable? Our relationship with God is so important to him. And he's not a God who's distant. He's not a God who's absent. And he's not a God who doesn't want to take who he is and reveal himself to us. So this is life with God. You don't discover God. He reveals himself to you. Okay, you trying to discover God is presumption. It's like me sitting saying, okay, I'll tell you who Sarah is. Sarah is this, and this is how she thinks, and this is what she does, and it's like, you don't know! You can get a perspective on who she is because you watch her behaviors, and you watch her interactions, and so you're getting a perspective, but you don't know her. She can speak for herself. I don't know God outside of him revealing himself to me. That's what revelation knowledge is. 
in its simplest terms, revelation knowledge is when I come to the awareness of the fact that he is looking for a relationship with me. And what he's saying, in that space of intimacy, where you've learned how to relate to me, and the two of us can walk together and talk together, I'm going to take things of who I am, and I'm going to show you who I am. Revelation. I'm going to show you who I am. And in that space, as he shows me who he is, it imparts something to me of him. He says to Abram, I'm going to reveal who I am. I'm your provider. And I'm the one who's going to provide for you. And your provision is going to be something that you least expected. I'm going to make you a father. You think it's impossible, but it's not. I'm going to give you something. God revealed an aspect of who he was to Abraham. Abraham grabbed a hold of what God said to him. I am going to be a father. When he grabbed hold of what God gave to him, revelation translated into faith. You never get revelation without faith. Revelation it is God revealing himself. Faith is when I grab a hold of it and I hold on to it. I have something of God. Faith is of God. I have something of God that he's committed to me. He told me I'm going to be a father. I never sucked it out of thin air. I didn't say, okay, God is a provider. I'll just be a father of many nations. I don't get to do that because God wants relationship. And he's looking for us to come to him. In every aspect, he is your provider. He is your caretaker. He is your deliverer. He's everything that you need him to be. And although you may have a broad perspective as to who he is, the invitation is always come to me. Because if he's going to provide for you, he may sit and say to you, you know what I want you to do? Get your resume together and I want you to go out and I want you to hand it in at this office over there and it'll be, God doesn't do that. He does! The problem with it is we just don't believe. We haven't invested our love in that space. I can't imagine God doing stuff like that. Why? So when he gives me something and I grab a hold of it, faith is important. He's going to make me a father of many nations. But his promise to me is important because he's given me something called imagination. So when I take his promise to me, something, a truth, a, a revealed knowledge, something that I got from him that I didn't get from my senses, and I allow that to play up on the imagination of my life, I'm just stepping onto the wheel. I'm letting his word to me play out in my imagination. I'm going to make you a father of many nations. What does that look like? What's happening? As I sit in that place and as I meditate in that place, I'm allowing his words to me to begin to form and mold me and influence who I am. Set your mind on things, not on things on thee. What is he talking about? Your imagination. He's sitting saying the things that you sit and you imagine. Are you imagining the stuff from your natural realm or are you imagining the stuff from him? 
Because when that comes in and we allow it to change us and mold us and shape us, what ends up happening is in the shaping, God takes the things of him and he begins to influence the way that you think. I begin to see, I can comprehend. All of a sudden, I'm seeing from his perspective and I'm seeing my life and I'm seeing my future and I'm seeing my reality from his perspective. And you know what it does? It begins to influence how I feel about it. Faith comes with confidence. Where does it come from? Because I'm sitting, spending my time meditating. I'm spending my time on the potter's wheel, allowing who he is to influence me. And the collection of thoughts and emotions come together in something called knowledge. What I know about something. Revelation knowledge is knowledge that is gained from God. It's not knowledge gained from the natural. Revelation knowledge. I gained it in that space. Knowledge is important because what you know is what you've invested your trust in. What you know is your beliefs. And your beliefs are important because your beliefs filter into a place called your understanding. Your understanding is defined by your beliefs. Your understanding is your heart. If I give you my love, I'll allow you in to give definition to who I am. And when you give definition to who I am, because I have extended my love to you, I open the door to my heart to you. And I let you into that space. And you begin to define me according to the seed. God has incredible plans and purposes for our lives. The thing about it is, in every one of your goings on and in everything that you're doing, understand this. Every time you have to make a decision about something, stop for a minute and sit and say, where am I going? Am I being faithful to the relationship? Am I continuing in faithfulness? Or am I moving to a place where I'm leaning to my own understanding? Am I grabbing hold of his word to me? Or am I living by the fruit? I'll get into this in more detail next week and we'll talk about it a little bit more. But your choices are the most important thing in your life. And what you elect to do with your choice is completely up to you. But it defines where you invest your love and where it, what you give access to your heart. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The plans for your life are going to be determined by what you invest your belief in, your love in, because it has access to your heart. And when it moves into that place and gives definition to that space, and I live from that place, my attitudes come from that place. My disposition is from that place. My actions are from that place. Everything comes from there. So, oh, oh no, I want to get into this next week a little bit more. Read the fruit of your life. When God starts to speak about the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit, what he's saying is, I'm talking about where your faithfulness lies. Because if your faithfulness is in the spirit, what will end up happening is you'll start to bear the fruit of the spirit. If your faithfulness is to the flesh, what will end up happening is you start bearing the fruit of the flesh.
So in some ways, the opportunity that we have is when we look at our lives and we see aspects to our lives that are incongruent with where we think we should be, it's an opportunity for us to stop for a minute and sit and say, hold on a second, where did I let that in? The wonderful thing about God is there's no period at the end of any sentence. It's never that's the end. The end is when God wins. Up until that point, it's not the end. So it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter the decisions you've made. We always, because we're living, breathing, moving beings, we live in a dynamic reality. We have the opportunity to shift and change stuff. Don't continue to live where you've been. If you're identifying things in your life where you sit and say, you know what, I'm living from the wrong side because all I'm doing in that space is I'm continuing to live in unfaithfulness, change it. You don't have to stay there. You're empowered to change things. What it begins to say is this. You're a hothouse. And you're designed to grab hold of seed, allow that seed to grow, nurture it, and bear fruit. You are not the power source. The power source is going to come from the nature that you let in there. Either the nature of God or the nature of the deceiver. They carry with it seed and nature. You're just soil. So Jesus said, when he talks about the soil of the heart, I know, I, I promised I would get to that message and I'll get that sometime. But that's what the soil of the heart is. What he's saying is, understand this, you were built as an imaging agent. And what you allow in and you allow access to your imagination is what you're going to invest your belief in, invest your love in. And when I give you my love, I've just opened the door to my heart. So be careful about it. We have more influence over our lives than we realize. We think we don't, but we actually do. And if we were a little bit more intentional about the decisions we make, we may discover that actually our life would change enormously and the trajectory would shift. Jesus has done everything that he's going to do. There's nothing more he's going to do. It's all done. It's all complete. The work has been finished. The thing about it is we make a choice whether we want to participate in that or not. And the way that that comes about is with frequency every time you have to make a decision. Even in the small things of life, we think they're inconsequential. The thing about it is you're opening the door. What are you opening the door for to? Can we all stand, please? I thank you, Father for the love that you've given us. I thank you that you trusted us so much to give us a, a, a thing called free will, the ability to be able to choose. Father, as we navigate our way through life, I pray that you give us a broader perspective that we understand that there is a much bigger battle going on here. And the choices that we make are not inconsequential because they're limited to the occasion. But the choices that we're making are fundamental because they position our lives in one camp or the other. Let us bear in mind 
the invitation that you always extend to us. I'm making myself available. Choose me. If you've made some bad choices, there's a wonderful word called repentance. You know what repentance means? It's to turn around and go the other, di- other direction. What it's saying is, oh, sorry, I recognized it. And in that space, I, I, I repent, Father. But I'm not continuing down here. I'm taking responsibility for it. I'm moving back and making another decision. I'm taking corrective action. I'm just turning around. Repentance is always there for us. It's always available to us. I will warn you of one thing. as you begin to open your heart to God more, you will change in ways that you least expect. And that's not bad. But love, in terms of who he is, has expressions. And when you allow his nature to flood your life, those expressions are going to begin to manifest themselves. Not because of anything you've done, apart from make provision and space for Him. Because you were intentional, allowing Him into those spaces. Before we close, I want to extend this invitation. If you're a person out there and you've never had a relationship with God, I invite you to come up to the front. There'll be people up here who can speak to you, people who will pray with you, and people who will introduce you. Your journey starts when you're introduced to Him. It's called salvation, it's an introduction to relationship with Him and your ability to be able to relate and connect with Him. Father, I speak blessing over every person here today and every person watching online. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you go with us and protect us. 
I thank you for a week that's full of blessing and abundance. I thank you for supernatural opportunities to experience and to encounter you. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak into every person's life this week. Open our ears to hear you. Open our eyes to see you. And I want to thank you that as we grab a hold of what you're offering us, we discover ourselves. It offers us something new to walk into, a redefinition. We bless you for it. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.